Coming up later on the show, the Lake of the Week. Gary Barnard from the Bemidji Area Fisheries Office gives us the scoop on pie mouche. But first, the newly crowned International Falls Bass Champion. Checking in with Jeff Gustafson. Uh, Gussie, it's always great to talk to you, and congratulations on your recent uh, I-Falls Bass Championship. Yeah, we. Uh, my partner, Scott Dingwall, and I, he's from up uh, in Kenora on Lake of the Woods, uh, same town as me, one of my good buddies growing up. Uh, we had a good weekend on Rainy Lake and won the the International Falls Bass Championship. So it was, uh, we're we're a couple happy campers. No kidding. I mean, that's uh, those two tournaments, the the Fort Francis one and, and then the one in I Falls, are two really good bass tournaments. And I, I don't think people realize just how impressive that bass fishery is up there. It is. It's uh, as far as smallmouth fishing goes. It's one of my favorite. You know, I fish all over the place, and it's one of my favorite lakes. And there's uh, there's good numbers of fish in it, and there's some big ones. And it uh, it can be a very humbling lake. Um, you can you know you're not gonna you're not gonna catch a hundred fish every day, but uh, but it's it's a challenge just because it's so big and and it's fun fishing out there. It's just beautiful. Body of water. There's lots of walleyes, lots of big pike. Um, we caught we caught one muskie last week. Saw a couple, and then uh, John Peterson actually caught a 56 incher. And I mean, <laughs> he's fished his whole life, and muskie fished a lot. And this was the biggest one he'd ever put his hands on. It was. It was. I don't know. I'm sure a few people have seen the picture of it, but it was a really big fish. And um, but that's what you get at at Rainy Lake. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a as you say a great lake. You guys won by almost two pounds, and then the, then the gap was a good seven or eight pounds. So the, the, the top two guys, you found the big fish uh, way way more than anybody else seemed to be able to. Well, we uh, we we actually won the tournament last year as well, and we actually had bigger weights last year than this year. But it, uh, you know, we 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 spent our time fishing offshore and, and generally deeper water. And it wasn't a big numbers thing. We didn't catch a ton of fish, but that was where, you know, we felt like we could get the most four-pounders, and, and we were able to get five of them basically each day and uh, just sort of grinding it out. But that was the that was our sort of game plan, and it seemed like if you fished up near the bank, you could, you could catch fish, you could catch some three-pounders, but they weren't the, they weren't the winners. Well, we uh, we had uh, f- four good friends of the show fishing up there. The two sets of Peterson brothers, uh, Travis and Craig, and of course uh, Dwayne and John, and they took third and fifth, but they couldn't touch you guys. Uh, no, I mean they, we, uh, you know, we we uh, we're really good friends with the with the Petersons, and JP and I fished together quite a bit. So um, you know they were they had a, they were on a similar program to us, and uh, you know mixing in some other things as well, but. Uh, it was yeah, it was a good weekend. Um, it's and you know that's that's just part of fishing in these bass tournaments is 
it's not all about catching the most fish. It's about catching the five biggest ones that you can. And and so we we were really focused on, you know, doing our thing out, out in, in the deeper water, and it paid off, so... You know, when you're doing walleye tournaments in this neck of the woods, it's all about, you know, you can get that one or two over depending on the rule in that particular tournament, and you know, you yep. got to get all the other ones that sneak right up underneath that low end. Uh, you're just going for big. I mean, there's no there's no um, restrictions other than, you know, there's a certain number of fish you can take, right? Right. It's, you bring your five biggest bass to the scale, and that's why, I mean, I've fished several walleye tournaments over the years, but I... I I really prefer the bass tournaments more, and more, mostly because I want to go catch the five biggest ones that I can and I feel like the walleye tournaments um, have a little bit more of a luck factor as far as you know one big fish can win you the the whole tournament. But that being said, I know there's there's a handful of anglers that that dominate most of the walleye tournaments, so. There's probably not that much luck into it, but <laughs> but for me, it's it, you know I really enjoy the bass fishing and smallmouth fishing in particular, and uh, you know it's I've got a lot of time on Rainy Lake over the years, and over the last couple of years at, at the I Falls tournament, it's it's uh, it's paid off, and you know it's funny these these little you go in little cycles on what's sort of happening on the, and hot on these lakes up here, and. Uh, you know, in the next, you know, maybe it'll be next year, maybe the year after, it'll it'll change and be something totally different. You know, to catch those those big fish. So it's it's interesting how it kind of goes. Well, it was a great weekend for you, and then a little bit earlier, you were at the FLW uh, National Championship and uh, uh, didn't win it all, but you were right there in the midst of of the action. I think what about middle of the pack? Yeah, I finished. I actually finished uh, twenty. I tied for twentieth, and I lost oh. the tiebreaker, so I finished twenty first. And that out of a field of fifty six anglers, okay. so not horrible. But it was. Uh, it caught the tiebreaker was pretty significant because it costed me like five thousand dollars in prize money. Ouch! <laughs> well, I heard. I'm still. You just brought that up again. I'd almost forgotten about. Oh, that, sorry actually. about that. <laughs> No, but it, it, it was a really good year fishing down south, and we start up again in 2019 down in Texas in early January. So it'll be here before we know it, and uh, you know it'll be right back, right back into it again. So it, it's nice to be home now, up on Lake of the Woods for for the rest of the you know through the fall, and um, it'll be nice to just enjoy some time around sure. home and all the great fishing and hunting that that we have up here. I've been I've been guiding the last few days and walleye fishing's been phenomenal up on the Canadian side of the lake. Yesterday we did some bass fishing on the Winnipeg River, which is the outflow lake of the woods. It was really good. So um just having fun up here in, in sunset country now. Well we're gonna to touch on the walleye bite in a little bit. I do want to talk a little bit more about bass. I'm I'm curious and I think we've talked about this in the past, but I want to ask you again. Um, compare fishing in the lakes down south to, to fishing on Lake of the Woods for bass or, or Rainy Lake or those lakes up in the, our neck of the woods. Well, I think, you know, the, most of the lakes down south have a really good population of fish. They probably have more fish than we do in our lakes, more bass, but they also get 10 times or, you know, 30 times as much pressure as we get. So that can make it tough. Um, but just as far as, like, the scenery and and the you know just the the 
the beauty of our lakes up north in Minnesota and Ontario. Um, there's really, you know, that's the thing that I really enjoy the most. I, uh, you know, it's, it, they're just, we just are really lucky with the, with the beautiful lakes. And, and then the fishing's pretty good too. You know, it's, uh, it's a short season for us. And so I think that those bass, you know, they know that, uh, they have six months or eight months to kind of get fed and, and get ready for another long winter. So, you know, this time of year, you know, as we're in the early fall and start getting into fall, you know, the fishing for pretty much everything gets really good, you know, and for it certainly does for bass, but um, you can just pretty much mark every species down for, for, uh, for biting pretty good over the next month and a half. Got a lot more to cover with Jeff Gussie Gustafson. We will do that tomorrow, but up next... Time to find out about the Lake of the Week. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Lake of the Week Day, Lake of the Week Day, Lake of the Week Day, Holy Cow! We're checking in with Gary Barnard, the Area Fisheries Manager out of the Bemidji office, discussing Pymoosh Lake. And Gary, Pymoosh is up there on that scenic highway as well in the, in the heart of the Chippewa National Forest. Yeah, it is. It's uh, one of those. Uh, there's a bunch of nice lakes over in that vicinity, over in the Chippewa. This is uh, this is one of them. About uh, over 1,200 acres, maximum depth of 40 feet. Very nice lake. It's um, in the forest, so I'm assuming there's a lot of public land. Kind of a quiet way to place to be. Yeah, it's uh, not not overly developed. There are a couple of resorts on the lake, but it's uh, it's a it's a pretty big lake, long and narrow. Actually, it's. Uh, it's about five miles north to south on that lake, but only about a half a mile wide. So uh, kind of a sheltered little place to, in the pines, you know, to get out of the wind and a uh, pretty nice lake to fish. One of the things about Pine Moosh is you have a, I think you still have a special uh, bluegill regulation on that lake. Yes, we do. It's uh, it's actually one of the first, I believe, the, the first uh, experimental sunfish regulation in the Bemidji area. Um, goes back to uh, I believe 2003, and uh, have to give a lot of credit to uh, Ed Fusi, who's a uh, resort owner over there on Pymush that actually had the foresight to recognize the quality fishery that they had there and. Uh, he was pretty determined to do something about protecting that quality, and you know, he came in and talked to me about some things. You know, what we can do about uh, uh, the heavy fishing pressure it was getting, and how we were going to protect those uh, those big bluegills. And uh, so we uh, we went down the experimental regs path. We we started out with a ten fish bag limit over there, and um, evaluated it. It was probably helping some, but. Uh, Things were still sliding a little, so we did modify to a five-fish limit, which it currently has, and that does appear to be working. So a five-fish limit, and, uh, and that has, seems to have brought up the uh, size of those those bluegills? Yeah, it, it took a little dip there for a while, but it, uh, it's kind of back. Um, we're still producing 10-inch bluegills. They're, they're not overly abundant or um and that's good i mean the uh, overall abundance is about t- 14 per net lift which is good for growth um if we have a recent survey on there it's actually 2017 just did it last summer so uh it, that survey would show that we're topping out just under 10 but when we do our targeted surveys actually during the spawning period we're we're, we're sampling males over 10 inches and uh 
I can't say they're common out there, but they're not common in any fishery. Uh, just to be getting some males up over 10 inches, that's a pretty high-quality fishery. And really, um, the best way to do a special reg is by a total limit. It's, it's pretty tough to do a, a slot limit on a, on a bluegill. Yeah, it's it's difficult. We're we're looking at some possibilities there on some things like limiting the the number of fish over certain sizes, but but again, that's tough. Uh, you know, it's a harvest species, and and you you tend to have a lot of people fishing in a boat, so uh, lots of fish to measure and things like that. It it gets a bit cumbersome with uh, with panfish species to use uh, size limits, but. Uh, you know, the, the the other thing about quality management is, you know, we we do recognize that these are renewable resources and they can support a reasonable amount of harvest. So a big old 10-inch bluegill doesn't live forever either. So the, the trick is to find out really how much harvest is sustainable and be able to produce and replace those big fish because, like I say, they don't live forever. So... Uh, having a regulation in place that just reduces harvest overall, like this five-fish bag limit, seems to be doing that. It's uh, it's limited harvest enough that enough are surviving and growing into that uh, that high-quality size. You've been doing, like you said, it's been on this lake for a while now. Um, what kind of response did you have when you first implemented it? Well, it was new in the area, and, you know, uh, initially people think that that's quite a reduction, but um, I think anglers have really gotten used to this. Now, we're, we're starting, you know, we've uh, expanded the uh, uh, limited bag limits a little bit more into Gull Lake and Black Duck and a few others, and people are finding out that uh, these things are working, and they they kind of like it. it. It takes a while to get used to it, but they're generally satisfied with fewer but better quality fish in the end, so... Uh, um yeah I, I think even the way we rolled it out there we we talked about a five fish bag initially and that met with quite a bit of resistance so we went with the 10 and then uh, eventually we did have to go to five but uh, maybe the step down approach was a good way to get there in addition to the in addition to bluegills there's some crappies in there it looks like there's a good population of largemouth bass as well Yep, uh, it's a good crappie fishery. Uh, I think we sampled pretty good numbers there again in 2017, about uh, three per trap net, which is it's a good crappie catch rate. And uh, that's a lot of those fish were the 2013 year class. That's a similar one we see all across the area here. It must have been a great year for crappie spawning because uh, that year class is predominant in a lot of our lakes. And those were stacked up at around 10 or 11 inches last year, um, so a little nicer fish this year probably going to be pushing 12 inches, and um, that's, a, that's a good fishery. And again, we, we kind of look at crappie fisheries a little differently, and we, we know they're going to be cyclic, so when you see one of these roll through, it's just a matter of uh, you know how long they persist before the next wave comes through. But uh, um, uh is good, consistently producing those uh, crappie year classes. And the bass. And bass, you sample, or we sample them with electrofishing. Uh, we had about 25 per hour of on time. That's that's good abundance, uh, good representation of sizes and ages out there, and really a nice bunch of bass at between 14 to 18 inch size range. That uh, that's really the that's what the bass anglers are targeting out there. So they should be very happy with that. 
Looks like you, uh, at least based on your uh, gill nets, not a ton of northern, but uh, there's certainly there's certainly some in there. Yeah, it's, uh, it runs around five per gill net, so abundance is where we like to see it. I did look at the size of that catch, and uh, about 90% of them are under 22 inches, which is typical of a lot of the lakes. We see, you know, they they get over 22, they get cropped off. Um, so this lake is going to be another good test for the new uh, zone pike rigs coming up where uh, they'll get some protection from 22 to 26 and see if we can grow up some bigger fish in there and provide a little better quality. And uh, it shouldn't be a problem. It, it reproduces well. There'll be fish growing into the bottom of that slot quite well. So uh, this is going to be a good test for that regulation. What about the walleyes in the Paimoosh? Well, walleyes are sustained by natural reproduction there. We don't stock it. Um, it is, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the Turtle River Chain of Lakes. Paimoosh is kind of loosely connected there. It's up the north branch of the Turtle. So there's a quite a spawning run of walleyes that come all the way up out of Cass and get you through rice and, and use the turtle and the, the little turtle. And Paimoosh benefits both uh, in that uh, they produce some fry in the river, which drift back into Paimoosh, but also just from the strong spawning migration, some of those fish stay in uh, Paimoosh, so they'll get caught in there. Um, so anglers benefit from that as well. It's it doesn't have high, extremely high abundance. I think we sampled to two and a quarter per gill net this last assessment. I, I, it's not an impressive number, but uh, I think it fishes a little better than that. Uh, folks that know that lake know that you can catch walleyes there, and it probably doesn't attract the attention as a destination walleye lake uh, where they're driving long distances for it. But I, I think the folks that fish it know it's pretty good fishing. And you have uh, you've not stocked any species in that lake. Um, we did a little uh, walleye stocking one year just to get an estimate on the uh, on the wild fry produced in there. So we put some marked fry in just to get a pop estimate. But other than that, we we don't stock it. We we haven't had to stock it. It's got a nice natural fish community as is, and um, and it's uh, sustaining itself quite well. What kind of pressure does the lake get? Well, um, again, there's a couple of resorts on it. Uh, it gets a fair amount there, and I, it does get quite a bit of winter pressure, and I think that was one of the things that kind of tripped the idea that, you know, we, we better protect this bluegill fishery. It It's uh, pretty uh, notorious for having those big bluegills, and people come from ways to fish gills of that size, so uh, that was one of the drivers behind uh, that reduced limit. and. It still gets the winter fishing pressure. People don't shy away from it just because of the five-fish bag limit, but uh, I think now they're coming for the quality and um, and not so much for filling a bucket. If we uh, want to get on Pie Moosh, how do we get to the access? Well, from, from Lake Bemidji, uh, you have to go around Lake Bemidji one way or the other. So if you go around the north end, uh, take Birchmont Beach Road, or uh, I guess that's Highway 20 out to... Uh, um, just head straight east, or if you go down around the south end of the lake, you can take the Power Dam Road east. But you got to get over to Highway 39, which is the scenic highway going north of Cass, and then uh, a few miles north, um, look for the access signs on the uh, left-hand side of the road to get into Paimoosh Lake. And it sounds like it looks like it's a pretty nice access there. Yeah, it is. It's a uh, Forest Service access. They they keep it up pretty well, and it should be in good shape for the opener.
All right, Pymoose Lake is our Lake of the Week. Gary Barnard from the Area Fisheries Office in Bemidji joining me. Gary, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot, Kevin. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A dual operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.